You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man is a two-time felon. I work really hard and I've been, a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Eric, welcome to the Freedom Pact podcast. Thanks for having me, Lewis. I'm psyched about it. Will you, will you tell me where the name Freedom Pact came from? Like, what's the, what's the intent? Okay, yeah. So um, there's two of us that run this podcast, myself and my best friend, Joe. Um, yeah. So at, fresh out of university, we just started pretty much meeting up a couple of times a week and we just go for these long drives and just talk about books we'd read or uh, lectures we'd seen online or just personal development stuff. We just share ideas with each other. Um, we were both working jobs that we hated at the time. We both particularly mm -hmm. didn't do degrees at university that we actually planned on doing anything with. So I did a history degree that I didn't actually really much enjoy. I was working <laughs> a job I hated and we were just sort of stuck in that little box there. And we were just sort of worried about where life would end up if we didn't make any sort of change. Like we just scared that we'd wake up one day and we'd be 20 years down the line in the exact same spot. Um, yeah. So we just decided to just go, you know, gung ho and act on these ideas we were talking about. Cause we talk about these ideas, but we'd never actually take action on them. You know, that's a big thing with personal development readers. You know, you read a book, you for it's quite inspiring. You forget about it and move on. But so we just made a promise to each other that we were going to do everything we could to achieve what we thought at the time would be freedom. And we made a promise together in a car that night. We were just out on the road. It was like one o'clock in the morning. We were getting deep. So we made this promise to be free and we've worked on it ever since. So that's uh, where the podcast came from. That's awesome, man. That's super cool. <laughs> where, what's your, uh, I love that. What's your, like, what's the freedom progress bar? You know, what, I mean, what percent free do you feel? I mean, I think I'm only just getting started, really. I mean, we're yeah. three years in. Maybe this was three years ago this happened. So okay. definitely taking some big steps, but there's still a long way to go and still a lot of internal work to do. Um, sure. So that's the that was the premise behind this podcast is just to, to talk to people like yourself and just have really impactful, actionable conversations that can help us first and foremost, and then hopefully help everyone who's, who's listening as well. That's cool, man. I really like that. Yeah. I appreciate that. And freedom is actually one of the topics I plan on asking you about later on, but let's start first and foremost. So I read uh, this book this week, the Almanac of Naval Ravikant. So before we get into it, just set the scene for everyone listening who may not know who Naval is. Mm -hmm. Why did you write a why did you put this book together? Who is Naval and why should we care? Yeah. Um there's a lot to unpack there. So let's start with Naval. He um he's very well followed and and in the Silicon Valley world. And that's that's where I met him or it came to kind of follow him first. Um you know, I 
was just kind of like in school trying to figure out how to get into this world of tech. And somebody that I met who was, you know, a decade ahead of me and who I really looked up to was like, you got to read everything that Paul Graham has written and you got to read everything that Nivy and Naval are writing on Venture Hacks. And that'll help you kind of like understand the Valley culture and what's going on there. Um, so I did. And that was kind of where I started to kind of follow and learn from him. Um, and over the years, like what he has talked about has changed a lot and what he's accomplished has, has changed a lot. Um, so Naval is, is an entrepreneur and an investor. Basically, um, he was kind of early in starting to talk about I don't know, a lot of like innovation, technical innovations, trends in the Valley, cryptocurrencies. Um, he is also now kind of quite well known for like a little bit like synthesizing philosophies on Twitter. Um, so if you're in the Twitter world or the podcast world, uh, you have probably heard of him at least somewhat. Um, he's got some very kind of well-traveled uh, podcast episodes with uh, like on a knowledge project and Joe Rogan and stuff like that. Um, but he was like, you know, a poor immigrant to America at 10 years old and very like much the American dream kind of self-made as much as anybody can be. Um, and has worked hard to kind of both become wealthy and become happy and seems to have succeeded at both. And now he's kind of working to share those, what he's learned with people. Mm. So the book is split into two sections. You've got wealth, you've got happiness. Um, mm. The part that impacted me the most was the the happiness section. I actually read that twice over because it hit me so hard. And I just found myself stopping and taking pictures and <laughs> sending these clips, uh, these little snippets to my friends over WhatsApp. And I just kept going back to it. It's absolutely phenomenal. So I want to start with this, this happiness and these ideas of peace versus joy. So we've got peace and we've got joy. What is more valuable? I think it's, it's subjective and comes in different moments in different contexts. Um, you know, there's, in he, there's a, more eloquent quote about this in the book, but he talks about like how much, um, how much is bundled into the word happiness and how many different things people think of when they hear the word happy. Like, does it mean to be just ebullient and overjoyed in a moment and blissfully happy at some accomplishment? Or is it this like state of contentedness or is it this state of flow and being almost distracted? Or is it just the, the absence of you know, suffering or desire or something like that. So there's a lot, um, there's a lot of kind of different ways you can interpret it. Um, but one of my favorite, which is, is what I think you're, you're getting there is like happiness is uh, peace in motion and peace is happiness at rest. And like seeking peace is um, a little easier, maybe a little more clear than sitting with this question of like, Oh, what do I need to make me happy? Cause then it's a very like the sloppy version of that thinking is just kind of like, how do I get what I want? Because then what I want will make me happy. And what he calls out in the book is, is this like very core thing that we all do all the time, which is like put our happiness into this um, sort of contract of desire, this expectation that like when something changes about our circumstances, then we'll be, we will be happy. And that's really, that, that's, he calls it like the fundamental delusion, like the thing that we are doing to ourselves all the time, like depriving ourselves of happiness instead of learning to remove that desire or be happy with um, and grateful for what we have currently. And that's the, the trade-off that we're making. 
So one of the quotes I wrote down on happiness from the book is happiness to me is mainly not suffering, not desiring, mm-hmm. not thinking too much about the future or past, really embracing the present moment and the reality of what is and the way it is. And exploring this theme of happiness, then I think a lot of people associate happiness with extrinsic things or, you know, goals or, you know, you can have a body goal. You can say to yourself, man, if I can get down to 15% body fat, I'd be so, so happy. So happy. That's all I want. Mm -hmm. And you get there and all of a sudden it's a good feeling for like two seconds. And you're like, "Mm, now what? (laughs) Or you move the goalpost. Exactly. And you can, or you can get obsessed with a metric. So like maybe a social media metric or a YouTube subscriber metric. And you're just thinking if I can get a hundred thousand subscribers, that's going to make me happy, but you get there and these things, they just, the, the happiness just doesn't seem to live up to what it was. So why is believing you're going to be happy because of external circumstances? Why is that just a, it just seems like a never ending process. Hmm. I, I mean, I think the, the pattern that you see is creating a goal or a desire depriving yourself of happiness until you reach it. And then when you reach it, like you're not, if you're the kind of person who's going to set a goal and then work to reach it, you're the kind of person who's going to set a new goal and then work to reach it. And so you have this moment of contentedness with reaching your goal, maybe, or you ought to, you're already moving the goalpost goalpost as you make progress towards it. And you're like 15% body fat's cool, but like, what would 10 feel like? And you decide that at 17%. And so all of a sudden you're like, there is no moment of accomplishment at 15 because you've already moved the post on yourself. And like, it gets you into this place where, where you're never feeling proud and accomplished. And at the same time, tying your pride and accomplishment to this feeling of happiness when you can, you know, and the discipline here is like, well, there's a lot of ways to approach it. Um, and, and it's kind of, you know, Naval talks about this a little bit in the book, like this is not a black and white thing. Like this is full of paradox and nuance and challenge. Cause like, you don't want to just like become a monk and meditate all day and become apathetic towards everything in your life and become so contented that you stop going about your life and like, staying exercise, exercising and working and meeting people and like doing everything right. Like that is not the goal here for most people. Um, but recognizing that your desires are causing unhappiness is a meaningful insight on its own and reminding yourself of that constantly. Um, the other piece, um, that you can kind of bring in here is this, like, uh, making goals significantly smaller, right? Like don't say like, I'll be happy when I reach 15% body fat, understand the things that you have to do every day to, to get there. And then say like, if I reach, if I am doing these things that I know will get me to this goal, like I am at peace, I'm contented. You know, if I'm moving my body, if I'm exercising, if I'm eating healthy, like then there's no reason for me to be causing emotional turmoil in myself. Right. One of the reasons that I first bought this book is I just feel like on every Instagram book page I was seeing quote after quote after quote from this book every sort of personal <laughs> development bookstagrammer was sharing this book and saying it was a must read and I was seeing all these quotes float around and one of the ones I saw everywhere was 
don't take yourself so seriously. You're just a monkey with a plan. What does that mean to you? <laughs> um, I think it, uh, so I generally think Naval is much funnier than he gets credit for. Mm. Like he drops a lot of philosophical bombs, but especially if you go like deeper in his Twitter, you find a bunch of stuff like that. That's like pretty hilarious. Um, and I tried to really like bring some of that through in the book. Um, I think it's a funny, like, we forget how we often forget that we're just like fucking animals, right? Like we're just monkeys who like got enough calories to develop a frontal lobe and develop consciousness. And so we're going through this, like our lives pretending as though we're not like constantly in this shitstorm of emotions and like instincts and animal like tendencies that we can barely control. Um, and we just kind of like, stumbled into being into like carrying this burden of consciousness um which means we're like planning for the future and like have this voice in our heads that we can't turn off and like i think it's just uh shaking yourself of that a little bit and learning to not take it all so seriously is like just a good hack for kind of like coping um like i don't know it's it's uh especially when you're just like all riled up and focused on shit and like trying to accomplish something aggressive. Like it's, it is another paradox, but it's like almost easier when you just like let go of the, the insane, like focus and just enjoy what you're doing. Like everything kind of comes much easier and you tend to have a lot more, um, a lot more longevity. Like you get more, like you almost get more gas in the tank mm. when you're, finding it easy and you're finding it easy when you're finding it fun and like it's more fun when you're not taking it so goddamn seriously <laughs> definitely is man um so i take the same walk to the gym every day it takes me about 20 25 minutes i walk there walk back so you're looking you know 40 minutes maybe an hour walk in a day on total okay so i I live in Wales in the UK, very scenic country, loads of hills, loads of trees, loads of plants. And my walk to work is, is quite a nice, it's quite a beautiful walk. So you walk into this uh, wooded area. So I'm, I'm walking through all these trees, this lovely scenery. But on my walk, I've noticed, and I only really noticed after I read this book, is that I'm not there. I'm like, it's almost like I'm not there on the walk. I'm just, my body's moving, but my mm. mind's thinking, okay, you know, we got this next week, there's this next month, where am I going to be in two years time? And then all of a sudden I'm on a tangent and I'm going back to the past. So I'm in the future, I'm in the past, but I'm not appreciating this quite lovely walk that I'm on. I'm not appreciating what's happening right now. And I know a lot of people would, would travel to see, you know, scenery like we've got over here. And I mm -hmm. just not appreciate it because my mind's just racing to the future, worrying about things that I have no control over right now. And this is what Naval talks about this in the book. He says a very small percentage of your brain is focused on the present. Most of it's on the, the future and the past and that you can literally destroy your happiness if you spend all your time living in uh, delusions of the future. So mm -hmm. how can we, what can we do? How can we a bit, be a bit more conscious of remaining present? I think it's, uh, it's a muscle. It's an instant. It's like a, it's a practice, I guess. Um, and you're going to fail at it 
a lot and it takes a long time, but you can build. And, and Naval talks about this. It's like, I, he trained himself to become happier and like train in the same sense that somebody like trains in the gym. You, you identify like a movement or a habit or something that you need to change in order to become happier. Like what you're talking about of like appreciating the present moment and creating either a trigger or a mantra or a, just the instinct to do it. Um, and reminding yourself to do it as often as you can. I think there's a lot of practices that can help, um, like, you know, gratitude or like, I think having a, a daily walk is like very, very helpful. And if you, if that triggers it for you to like take a deep breath and like appreciate the trees and the scene, um, that's good. You're never going to reach hundred percent of this, but it's, um, and it's helpful. I think it's helpful to know that it's hard work. Right. Like um, to say that happiness is a choice just seems sort of trite. And you, it, it makes it seem like anytime you're not choosing happiness, you're failing. And it's hard work. Right. It, it, like you're never going to be perfectly in the moment. There's, you know, monks who meditate for decades and like still fail at this regularly. And I don't think that's the goal. But I think, um, you know, some of the happiest people are the people who have, who trained themselves to, to appreciate and to be grateful and to bring themselves into that present moment, just more often than people who don't. Mm. A few years ago, I had a marketing job um, in the, the capital of this country. It's a really busy place and there was a lot going on and it was all these, you know, you had to turn up in a suit. Everyone was high energy, high, it was, business 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 okay and i lasted a week before i quit because the they had these morning meetings where they try and instill this mentality in you they they pick a topic and they do do almost like a little lecture for an hour before you start the day it was quite weird and Hmm. in our first week they were talking about money and all these people were saying yeah money is as valuable as air like we need money and they were really money focused everyone there, which is why I ended up leaving after a week because I wasn't on that wavelength. And um, it made me think back to when my podcast partner and I, we went on a trip to Nepal uh, to do the Everest base camp walk. And we passed all these kids who were literally living in the, sides of mountains like little dugout caves they're just living in there and terrible conditions in the himalayas but they were they looked like the happiest kids i'd ever seen in my life like i couldn't believe how happy they are and then we were thinking back to kids we know from around here who just have all these luxuries xbox food everything they want and they just seem a little bit miserable (laughs) and it's this idea in the book of success does not earn happiness and it just makes me think of that that toxic hustle culture that you see on instagram all these business gurus telling you to grind 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 and go for success go for success do you think that that sort of toxic hustle culture is a bit of a problem i don't know if it's a it's a problem i don't know like um it is a problem if you are in that and you think that that's going to end in some state of happiness. Mm. Um, you know, I love 
high energy, high accomplishing people and like spend plenty of time in that mindset and have friends who do the same. Um, it's good to build things and help people and produce and invest and save. And, you know, um, all of that is good. I don't, uh, and I don't judge it, even if it's not like high production. Um, I think it's only a, it's only a problem if you expect that road to end somewhere that it's not going to. Um, so if you think that like reaching a hundred thousand followers and being Gary Vee is going to make you happy, then like, that's a problem. Cause you're just like swimming in the wrong direction and working hard at it. Um, and I would hate for people to spend 10 years trying to reach a place that isn't the place that they wanted to get. Um, but if that's the place that they want to get and they're working hard to get there, rock on. Yeah. I feel like every time I have this type of discussion on this podcast, we end up accidentally calling out Gary V. Um, so, so I do I mean, a, he's built an amazing brand. If he's, if he's like the, you know, the guy with the flag in the sand for hustle culture, like that's a good brand, right? Like, yeah, for objectively. Sure. I would, and I would love to speak to Gary. V. I used to be a massive fan. I just feel like we yeah. always call him out, but that just feels, uh, what he's built for himself. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he, like, he is maybe the best example of just like an energizer bunny human being mm. like, which is a rare and amazing thing. Um, and I would, I feel like there's a, I don't, I would love to interview or, or like read a book or understand like the, those high energy people and being like, is this, is this natural? Like, have you been like this since you were three and like, you just can't not talk and be awake for like, like, that's just who you are. You're just like a constant nuclear bomb of energy or, mm. or is that like a learned behavior that you have chosen in, in instinctively kind of instilled? Um, there's this great podcast called uh, how to take over the world. And this guy, Ben Wilson, like reads books about people who like Genghis Khan all the way up to like Steve jobs and just like, people with high impacts on history. And he says like consistently one of the hot, the most uh, consistent traits amongst all of these people is like people describing them as incredibly high energy, um, which totally checks out for like the biographies and stuff that I've read too. That's like, that's Benjamin Franklin and Richard Branson and Ted Turner, all like this inhuman kind of level of energy that I think is really interesting. It may just be like, that's how some people are. Um, but also maybe that they understand how helpful that is for other people and like work hard to produce it and be that like catalyst for everybody else, which I like is, is awesome. Yeah. It's interesting to be with high energy people. Obviously I'm from the UK. It's very slow moving. you everyone's easy going <laughs> laid back. So for me, when I see someone like Gary V screaming down the camera at me, I think, oh, I wonder what he's like when the camera goes off. Does he just zone out? But you're a bit, <laughs> you're a bit closer to this sort of Silicon Valley than me. Obviously, you're, you're out there in the US. You've been around these types of people. Do you really think there's people like that who operate at that energy all the time, even when the camera's off? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's hard to, to contemplate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't, maybe they like sleep in a super oxygenated chamber and like drink two pots of coffee every day or whatever. I don't know. Um, like that's, uh, 
But yeah, there's definitely people who are just seem like endless sources of energy for themselves and for others. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all, it's, it's super cool to be around those kind of people, man. Like you, uh, it elevates your expectations. It elevate uh, like of yourself. Um, it makes impossible things seem possible. Like, um, and there are just people who are like, effectiveness multipliers and energy multipliers for all the people around them. And you can't spend too much time with those people, right? Like that's, that's awesome. There's a question in the book about the type, who do you think of as being successful? Uh, Naval says it's people who, who don't need anything from anybody. Um, mm. the, the prime example that came to my mind. So my favorite band of all time is Queen. Um, there's three existing members of Queen is Brian May, Roger Taylor and John Deacon as soon as uh, Freddie Mercury died in Queen or that era of Queen ended John Deacon uh, he just vanished from public eye you never see him in an interview he's not on social media he keeps himself to himself he wants nothing to do with the notoriety of the band going forward Um, there's no bad blood he just did what he did and removed himself but it makes me think i look at someone like brian may an existing member of queen and the fame he has over here in this country is is astronomical and i think that you know a john deacon could have had that but doesn't need that and when i grew up i always thought oh, it's quite sad that he chose to hide himself away but now looking back i'm thinking that makes him pretty successful in my eyes yeah who do you think of as being successful? Like what kinds of people? I think everybody gets to choose their own, choose their own definition of success. And so, you know, when I think like the people, it's very hard to decide from the outside who is successful and who isn't because the people who consider them I consider people who consider themselves successful to be successful, which requires not only that they know what they want, but then that they accomplish, they, they arrange their life the way they wanted it. So like your, your queen story is a good example. Like if, um, if John wants to be like independent and quiet and live out his retirement with his family and small community and, or produce whatever he's producing now for himself. And he knows that's what he wants and he's accomplished that. Then like he is successful. And I forget the other guy's name, Brian may. If, and if Brian may wants, you know, set his, his own course towards achieving incredible fame and notoriety. Um, and he's accomplished that. Then like they are both successful because we all want uh, different things and are gifted in different ways and choose different paths. Um, so it doesn't have anything to do with fame or not fame or notoriety or not notoriety or accomplishment or not accomplishment or material wealth or not. Like if, if you, if your main goal in life or main desire is to be an incredible father and you and husband and you become a great husband and father, then like you are successful regardless of if, whether anybody else would put you on some list or not. Right. Um, but it's impossible to like, to know that, you know, from the outside, um, it's probably a few hours of conversation with somebody before you even start to 
begin to see the truth of that in them. For sure. Oh, man, I love that. I love that. There's a section in the book, happiness habits, meditation, mm-hmm. workouts, but Naval gives his, but I want to turn it to you. What are some of Eric's happiness habits? I find um, I find that if I get like time to myself, um, that is almost always like a path to happiness. Um, I definitely like try to keep a workout discipline and that helps a lot. Um, Not drinking a lot helps a lot. Like it is, I have found it much easier to remove negative things and stay like keep like a, a lower uh, wavelength kind of vibe is like way better to stay. It's like staying healthy, staying happy, staying kind of like on the rails um, is better than like chasing one kind of like, you know, living your whole life for like Friday night or Saturday night and like trying to live an amazing story for four hours. And then like spending 36 hours recovering from that, like that's just a tough cycle. Um, Giving yourself, I mean, the, the little happiness triggers that we talked about of, of like bringing yourself into the moment and appreciating that. Um, and a, a one that I'm not sure Naval mentions, um, but just trying to like, even trying and giving yourself permission to try to like produce art of some sort. Um, you don't ever have to publish or share or whatever, but like there's some real joy that comes in just like fucking around with something. Um, and that's, like just giving yourself the space to do that is, is kind of wonderful. Um, yeah. Like the little stuff that he talks about, you know, um, there's a few triggers, like thinking about it when you brush your teeth and just like bring coming into that moment, like that's a good trigger because you are, um, you do it, you know, twice a day. And it, it, as soon as you pick it up, you're like, Oh yeah, I need to like not scroll my phone while I brush my teeth. I need to just like close my eyes and like, appreciate things um there's this this quote like if you want if you can't be happy if you can't find happiness in a cup of coffee like you're not going to be happy with a yacht yeah which i now think about every time i pick up a cup of coffee um <laughs> or you know when you feel the like in <laughs> in our case i don't know how well this will work in wales but um when you feel the sun on your skin like take a minute to like look up and smile and appreciate this thing that people have been appreciating for generations um so just like stacking up some of those little triggers helps um, helps you get more of those like moments of appreciation in the day for sure. Yeah. Well, the sun is very hard to come by in Wales. So when it does come, <laughs> I do appreciate it. <laughs> maybe, maybe when you feel rain on your skin, it's like, there we go. Yeah, bit yeah, more when, when you see, yeah. When you see the fog, you know, look <laughs> up and wonder. I love that. Um, so for me, I'm just turned 25. So I, my late, the teenagers, I grew up with social media and with a lot of that came, I think that breeds a lot of jealousy. So you see these people's lives that are, you know, they, well, they portray in the best part of their lives. And, you know, you see people think, man, you know, I went to school with that person. They've already got a house. Like I, man, I wish I had a house or, they do this. So even fame, you know, famous people, you see all the 
glamorous lives and you look at your own, you sat there on your bed, scrolling on your phone, you're thinking, damn, I want that. But, you know, people may be watching this podcast now and they think, they're thinking, man, Eric's a good looking guy. He's got a great set of hair. I don't have hair like that, you know, <laughs> and they're jealous. <laughs> so how would you say to deal with jealousy? Because Naval talks about this meditation he uses, this sort of 15 minutes of just accepting things for what they are. Yeah, Naval has maybe the best prescription for envy that I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there was like one idea, I still remember where I was when I first heard that idea. Um, and it was on is on his podcast with Shane Parrish, the Knowledge Project, and it was this idea that like we are. I think we are all like envy is maybe the most universal feeling that we all kind of go through, um, especially with like social media and stuff like that, which we'll come back to. But um, Naval's prescription is basically if you are not willing to make a 100% full switch with that person and take on everything, all of their problems, all of their challenges, all of their struggles and suffering and sacrifice, then like you don't get to pick, you you don't want to pick one trait from a hundred different people and be jealous of the best thing that each of a hundred different people has. Cause it's, fucking crazy right when you when you think about it that way you're like it's like objectively insane it's like what are you gonna like you just want to like oh i want max stats in every category forever and like that's your expectation of yourself like you got a limited number of stat points to spread across all of your categories everybody does and people who have achieved outsized things or have outside things usually like you never know what that comes with right you never know if that like beautiful persons like do you want to spend four hours in the gym do you want the eating disorder do you want to spend all of your money on like beauty products do you want the complex that comes with like being really attractive like you just never know all of the recipe all of the either the work or the sacrifice or the pain or the dark side of some of those things maybe um and and you know his prescription is like when you realize that to be, to, to have that one thing, you have to take on everything else that that person is. Um, usually that envy like goes away because you're perfectly happy being you and playing the hand that, that you're dealt for the most part. Um, and that's where, you know, kind of being the best version of yourself comes and appreciating the, the strengths and opportunities and attributes that, that you uniquely have. Um, but I think, I mean, you're, you're, call out of social media is correct to go back to that decision the the sort of um desire the 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 bond between desire and unhappiness um that we talked about before because there is no if you were setting out to create an engine for creating desires like how would you mind fuck someone like think about this in the, the 70s like if you wanted to mind fuck somebody like as hard as you could and be sure that they were unhappy, like, what would you do? You would go find all of their deepest desires. And then you would show them as rapidly and frequently as possible. What some other people who have achieved those, your deep, your heart's deepest desires and like your biggest insecurities, you'd show people who've accomplished that, which is basically what Instagram is. As far as I can tell, like it measures everything that you do. 
and it itself benefits when it shows you when it like increases the gap basically in your mind between like what you have and what you want. And that's like how they make money, whether it's products or people or experiences or whatever. Um, and that's just like, you're opting into getting mind fucked <laughs> like in, that, in that context. And you're choosing, it's the most efficient engine for creating desires that you can imagine. Um, so when you're, when you're opening that app, like, realize that that's what you're doing to yourself and you know every minute may cause hours of unhappiness down the line that you're going to have to sit with and battle back um and i probably download instagram once a month and spend like 30 minutes getting sucked down a rabbit hole and i'm like god fuck this what am i doing like delete this app again i want to go back to my life um so yeah i'm not like I know some people think the same in Twitter. Like for me, Twitter's had more upside than downside and it gives me a little more control over what I see and how mm. I see it. Um, I find Instagram, at least for me, to not not be worth it um, yeah. or TikTok or whatever, but everybody gets to like make their own decisions. But yeah, like, definitely like it is much easier to control your environment than to, than to control your behavior. Um, for sure. I mean, when I first reached out to you, I'd normally reach out to people through Instagram or I'll go and you know, click the the contact button on Instagram link to their email. But I think your Instagram's private. I don't think you use it a lot, but yeah, I found I connected with you on Twitter. Um, do you have any sort of rules in 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 regard to social media? Maybe how often you let yourself use it? Um, just to have a social media habit. Are there any sort of rules you give yourself? Yeah, I mean, on Twitter, I'm starting to use um, lists much more and which lets you really like, you know, it's, it's more like reading a newspaper. Like I want to flip to the business section or I want to flip yeah. to like, you know, the like whatever, whatever I want to learn, I can go kind of down that rabbit hole and be a little more selective. It's not perfect because it's fucking Twitter, but um, you know, you can follow and unfollow people pretty easily. You can mute and unmute people pretty easily. Um, I, I have the filter on to show latest tweets instead of algorithmically like chosen tweets. Um, I work, I've let it get slightly out of hand, but try to like follow less and less people. So it's a very high signal. Um, I try to, I stay away from the discover feed or any like feed that Twitter curates for me. Cause I just like don't trust it and want to choose my own inputs as much as possible. Um, yeah. I, that's, that's as close as I come to like social media habits. Um, I, I do try to limit it and I try to default to, I separate, consumption from creation like i publish stuff through like a program that lets me tweet from it without getting distracted by consumption Mm -hmm. so when i'm producing i'm producing and when i'm consuming i'm consuming um and try to like separate those actions but uh yeah i mean i I treat i treat twitter like my living room right like i try to stick with people who i would want in my house and like who i want to talk to and um and a lot of them I'm friends with in real life or want to become friends with in real life. Right. Um, so it's, I don't, you know, I'm not following beautiful people in beautiful places doing beautiful things. I'm following just like people I like and want to get to know. That brings me on to this five chimps theory that you could predict the, mm-hmm. um, predict what a chimp is going to be like based on the behavior of the five chimps surrounds itself with and how that's applicable to humans. So, how do you choose your chimps? It's a very good question. 
Um, I think like authenticity is the first word that comes to mind. Um, kind of pivoting off what we were talking about. Like there, there's a lot of, uh, especially on social media, there's like a lot of chimps who are just trying to like sell you some shit. Um, and that's very different than people who are like, no, I genuinely want to like, we share interests and I want to talk about those interests and learn from each other. Um, definitely like, generous at least in the community sense of like we are willing to help each other um and teach each other uh i i tend to hang with people who are um i I don't know if like ambitious isn't the right word but like high, high agency is probably the right word like um people who people who believe in their ability to change their circumstance and some of the world around them um, and people who understand that they can choose their attitude, um, and choose happiness. And like, even if they're going through a hard time or doing something difficult to be upbeat and appreciative and gracious and, um, you know, not, not like creating thunderclouds over their head until some future hypothetical moment, you know, kind of like back when we talked about it, because life's just like slightly too short for um, like delay gratification indefinitely. Um, and you don't have to be unhappy to accomplish what you want to accomplish in most cases. Right. Um, but I think people, I don't know where that comes from, but a lot of us have that. I don't know if it was like, I don't know if it's a learned behavior from like parents or work or whatever that like when you're in an office, the more stressed you look, the more productive you seem to people like, and it's like a optics game. I don't know if it's just like an emotional instinct to like create space for yourself. Um, But it's, it's kind of pernicious, I think. And so like, there are people who seem to have learned their way out of that or, or, came up in environments that didn't encourage that. And like, like those are wonderful people to spend time with too. We talked right at the top of the show about freedom, the name behind this podcast. And so I'll ask you, what is the difference between freedom to and freedom from? And what does freedom mean to you, Eric? Yeah. I Naval's, um, if you have the quote, you should probably read it because I'm sure it's more perfect than my rendition of it. But Naval separates, um, talks about when he was young, he wanted, his aspiration to freedom was uh, freedom to do something, right? Freedom to like travel whenever he wanted to or buy something or start a company, whatever, you know, um, it was all aspirational, kind of like we're talking about, right? Um, And as he's, either grown older or changed his perspective or some combination of the two, he now um, aspires to freedom from. So freedom from envy or jealousy, freedom from um, obligations uh, like work, freedom from um, the expectations of others, you know, things like that. So it's not, um, and it's a shift from kind of maybe like ambition or, thirst to prove yourself or build social status or um in a in a shift towards like independence and self-sufficiency and understanding that like you can create your own happiness and peace and perspective you can't 
and it's, it's actually like harder to do that the more uh, the more deeply you're involved with it, like a lot of other people and all of their things. And so I think learning to um, separate a little bit of that, that that's actually like a conflict that I'm not sure is totally resolved and that I'm like curious about his perspective on because I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of happiness that comes from like creating and giving and being interdependent with your family and your community and that's rewarding in a lot of ways. And, you know, that that's like Adlerian psychology and that's like the Harvard sort of uh, long arc story of happiness, like the uh, happiness study that they've done. And, you know, a lot of happiness is based on relationships, um, but a lot of happiness in a philosophical sense is based on like, like the metaphorical version of like sitting in a cave and meditating and working on yourself um, and then like owning your own mind. And there's a little bit of a conflict there. And I think both are true, but the seam between the two is very, seems to be largely ignored by both of those camps, but I think it's really interesting. And it's where most of us live and spend both of our time. And, and maybe it's just one of those paradoxes that we have to live with. But um, I think, you know, both understanding the levers and trade-offs between both of those is, is helpful for any like practically minded person who's still going about their lives. When I got to the end of the book, I was instantly I had this inspiration to just do all the things I'd always wanted to do. All these little adventures I'd written down on my bucket list. I suddenly wanted to just take action on and stop putting them off and get around to it. Um, I remember I, I can't remember the quote that oh no, I've got the quote written down and I sent it to my sent it to my girlfriend and I said, look, we've got this list of all this stuff we've always wanted to do. I can't remember the last time we did one of them. Let's try and make some happen. Like that's what the book did for me. And there was a quote that says, What if this life is the paradise we were promised and we're just squandering it? How do you reflect on that? I think that's a it's a good kick in the ass, right? Like sure. um it, I like that. I like that it's a, you know, it encourages you in the sense that like you've got one life. There's no reason to not interpret it as the like it, it is kind of baked in gratitude and urgency, right? It's like you there is so 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 much to appreciate, and it is harder work to appreciate it than to take it for granted and like <laughs> choose negativity and complain about whatever. Um, that's the path of least resistance, but the path of the greatest joy is, is appreciating this life for the paradise that it is um, and appreciating the miracle of your own consciousness and awareness and sensation. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, it's just so easy to not do things. Um, but that's, uh, yeah. Did you, so have you done any of those things on your list yet? I only sent her this thing at the start of this week. So okay. I've started making plans to put a few things in motion. I'm taking, that's good. Taking action. I think there's a bit right at the back as well. Seriously, I can find it. Um, I mean, I think pretty close after that comes the idea that inspiration is perishable. That's and you should act on for. it immediately. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was looking for. And that that is the kick of the ass. That's just like yep. act on it. And I think that's a, it's a beautiful way to end the book and beautiful way to start winding down this conversation. 
before we move to the, the two questions that I ask every guest that comes on the show. The first one, so we've talked today about your book. It's going to impact so many people's lives, certainly impacted mine. But what I want to know is what books have you read in your life that have had a big impact on you? Um, that's another good question. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of buckets there. I think the like the books that are probably the foundation of my like set of values in psychology. Like I read every single strip of Calvin and Hobbes when I was a kid. Um, and that's like probably more of my, uh, personality than is obvious. Um, I read all of Roald Dahl. I love Ender's Game and like that early sci-fi stuff was super impactful for me. Um, around 20, I read Poor Charlie's Almanac that gave me, that was like my roadmap for understanding so much of the world. And I read a lot kind of like Daisy Chained off of that getting into like Benjamin Franklin and Robert Cialdini and um, books about investing. And I love Charlie Munger's worldview and rigor and morality and thought patterns. Um, and I love the community around Charlie Munger too. So I think that's like, that has introduced me to many, many wonderful people who are still good friends. And um, <laughs> that's another good way to pick chimps is like pick your heroes and find people with the same heroes. And like, mm. um, you know, you'll, you'll generally do pretty well. Um, yeah. Those are probably the first. And then, and then there's a, like books that just showed me worlds that I didn't, or helped me understand the world in like a new way. You know, you, you feel like you're reading like an X-ray uh, and you're like, Oh shit, that's how that works. Um, so that list is kind of like, I read uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman when I was in college and that and, um, uh, what's it called? Um, any like geopolitical book. So like uh, Peter Zeehan's like The Accidental Superpower or um, what's the other, like uh, Power of Geography or something like that are, are like shows you a lot of how and why countries are the way they are and how geography is upstream of the culture that emerges in a place. Um, there's uh, the systems Bible is an amazing book. Uh, so much of our world is like governed by systems and it's like mock dry, hilarious reading. That's like not everybody's cup of tea, but um, I feel like I understand the world much, much better after reading the systems Bible. And the one I'm reading now that feels like that is um Joseph Campbell's The Hero with a Thousand, or a thousand Faces. Um, and it's so, it's so refreshing. Like my favorite feeling in the world is reading one of those books where you feel like this person understands something about the world for the first time and is like showing it to you and you feel like you just got a whole new lens. And you're like, oh God, this is like so refreshing um, to feel like you're reading an operational manual for the universe, uh, especially in like soft skill stuff, like mythology and storytelling or systems operations and stuff like that. It's, um, it's amazing. Uh, some really, really good recommendations in there. Um, I think I heard you mention one of uh, our former guests in there, Robert Cialdini, is that influence you were referring to? Yeah. Great. Book. Yeah. Influence is definitely like, uh, yeah. Munger, um, really enjoyed that book and talks about it. And it's like some of the foundation of his, um, the mental models for the psychology of human misjudgment, which is a great speech um, that you can find on YouTube or SoundCloud or whatever. Um, and that started with Munger reading Sildini 
Cialdini. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's a, a different culture thing or if I've just been wrong or if we're all right. I don't, I've never heard it. You're probably more right since you host a podcast with him. Cialdini. Well, maybe, but maybe it might just be my Welsh accent creeping through. Who knows? Um, <laughs> the last question I have for you, um, this might be a tough one for someone who gets quite philosophical at times, but this could be anything. The answer could be your family, it could be friends, it could be your, your work, it could be your art. But for you, Eric, right now, what makes a life worth living? I, it is going to be weird to answer this question uh, as a guy without kids, but I think it's raising a family and having, and like having great kids um, and being like a good father, passing your genes forward and teaching them all that you can. I think that's like so many people I've talked to have said that that's the most meaningful thing that they've ever done in their life um, to, to a degree where like, even though I haven't done it, I'm pretty sure that's the most meaningful thing you can do with your life. Um, and I, and that is coming from somebody who also deeply appreciates and finds value in creating art and helping others and teaching and sharing and, um, enjoying so much of the rest of life. But I still think that is just so aggressively dwarfs everything else that we will do in our lives. Like from our own perspective, um, that I kind of already, think that um even though it's not yet a lived experience for me it's a very unique answer i love it i haven't heard that one yet oh all right well two, two I, then maybe there. i'm wrong no i don't know no i love it's, it no uh, i love it most, the, it's not, the most probably common not a popular is... like self-development pod mm. like podcast answer but um i think he's right i love it man the most common what, what did you say is... the most common answer is yeah usually family I think, which is kind of the same, you know, science family that just hasn't happened yet, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Love we'll it. see. Love um, it. I, I also want to say like, f- to make it super clear for people, this, there is a physical book, but this book is also available for free um, on the website. So on nevalmanac.com, you can get the digital versions for free. You can listen to the audio book for free on my podcast. Um and, you know, we kind of created this as a public service. So I don't want people to feel like Amazon's the only place to get this. Um, you know, if you're, you're strapped for cash or just want the digital version or, you know, want to leave your money in, in the market, like you can read it all for free and um, That's awesome. get access to all of it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we've talked about it today. The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. I will leave links in the description to not only the Amazon version, but I will leave those links to the free accessible versions as well eric thanks so much for coming on man i appreciate appreciate this so much um just before you go let these guys know where they can find you um on twitter yeah I'm, i am uh, unfortunately still on twitter a lot um yeah at, at eric jorgensen and i uh write and publish other stuff at ejorgensen.com so um i got open dms i'm easy to easy to get a hold of but lewis i, I super appreciate this like it was a great conversation. Um, thanks for thanks for having me and uh, bringing the heat. This is fun. Well, thank you so much for joining me again on the Freedom Pack podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope you'll join us again on Friday. 
Until then, please come and check us out on YouTube where all these podcasts are uploaded in video format as well as our best bits. Subscribing to our channel on YouTube is the best way that you can help support the show. So we'd really appreciate that. So that is youtube.com forward slash freedom pact. I hope to see you there. Thank you so much for listening.